beloved, you are now tuned in to Three Black Men, a podcast about three black men where we talk about theology, culture, and the world around us. The following content may not be suitable if you ain't real enough. Listener discretion is advised because real recognize real. Here's the hope when we look familiar. everybody welcome back to the podcast my name is robert my name is sam and i am trey hey and we are the three black men fellas how are you doing pretty good man doing pretty good i woke up and put some jeans on today because it was a little chilly outside feel like game of thrones and winter's coming but uh, we here it's a pretty good day man yeah, man, I'm doing fantastic. Nothing at all happened this weekend that that really changed the way that I view the world or sports fandom or anything. Um, mm. As a matter of fact, I don't even know what sports or football are, so I'm feeling fantastic right now. Boy, if you don't get... Um, <laughs> I, I I do have a question for y'all, laughing but serious. How often, before we get into our topic today, how often do you think about the Roman Empire? go because that has been lighting up <laughs> social media for weeks upon weeks Man. upon weeks and the the thought is for those un, uninformed uninitiated that men are, think about the roman empire constantly all day every day so i'm kicking it to my brothers let's start with you trey how often do you think about the roman empire I, specifically i can't answer that question i do think of them like i, I think of colonial uh colonizing forces on, on pretty frequently and and situated things historically of course the roman empire pops in there but i don't I don't sit there thinking through various rulers and stuff in the roman empire i know they're a shell uh, a removable label that i place on colonizing forces and yeah all that stuff does impact how i read the bible how i read american history and everything but yeah, i don't I'm not no expert in Roman history. Go ahead, Sam. Man, as for me, uh, <laughs> I don't think about the Roman Empire. Uh, I would sooner think about Star Wars and that empire before I contemplate. I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for me, I, I think when this started to take traction, what was funny to me is how many, especially white men, um, had this ego about, oh, I think about it all the time. And as a Christian, especially as a Christian pastor, you should be thinking about it all day. And what I want to say is if y'all are thinking about colonizing and occupation and um, empire, why does our world still look like this? Why do our churches still look like this? Why, when I click on the About Us page Ooh. on most of y'all evangelical churches, that thing is white, washed white as snow? Um, they didn't and, say what part of it they were thinking about. They yeah, and that's they what, thinking about it. Exactly. And so for all this ego, especially for Christians thinking about it, I would think that with all this dreamland that our world would look a lot different. Um we can't even get y'all to uh, support. Never, you know what? Never mind. Ooh, so, uh, that, <laughs> woo, 
Oh, alas, it did my savior bleed. <laughs> did my sovereign die? <laughs> Woo! <laughs> so, Trey, hey, what are we? <laughs> yeah, hey, 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 hey. Um, Trey, yeah, what are man, about? that's actually a good lead into today's topic because what we wanted to talk about here is this idea. It's no secret that we got our start. We met each other on social media and. Um, we spend varying degrees of time on social media at, at this current stage in our lives right now. But there's often this impulse, particularly when major world events or national events or uh, happen, that everybody feels the need, or not everybody, a lot of people feel this need or compulsion to weigh in, even, and sometimes it seems, especially if folks don't know what they're talking about, right? And uh, I, I just wanted to deal with what the process and commitment to discovering and stewarding your voice well looks like. And not just in digital spaces, but as as a process of human development and spiritual formation, what it looks like to discover, develop, and steward your voice well in our context. My my making sense is it connecting right now. Yeah. And yeah, for sure. I guess to start, I want to pose this question. Can y'all point to a time where you realize, like, wait a second, I, I don't have to use my voice like that? Or wait, what is my voice? Can can you point to a time where you actually realize that your voice was a thing that could be stewarded as you desired instead of weaponized by other people? Um. <laughs> wow that's a good question I, you know what I don't know if I can point to I mean I guess I can give a, a general time um, probably somewhere in the last like couple of years it's been since we've been doing uh, started this podcast I actually started like tweeting less mm. um, just because I I don't I want to use my voice responsibly yeah. Um, but also, like, I've been in a place where there are a lot of things that I'm leaving from and a lot of knowledge that is new to me. Uh, so figuring out where I stand was important before I spoke, because I didn't want to say something today. And then tomorrow I'm like, mm, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so so really, I think for me, um, learning the discipline of like <laughs> finding where I stand to find my voice and to use it like what am i what am i saying right is this going to be um i don't really care how it's received but is it profitable like mm. what would what's the point especially when it comes to a current event right am i pushing um just some sort of ideology that is rooted in nothing or like am i speaking from a place of ignorance um or am i just regurgitating what i heard before right so like that's really when when I really started paying attention to um, the things that I was consuming, um, and you know, as people would say, uh, deconstructing or their faith and uh, a lot of things, that's when I really started being like, wait a minute, whoa, history, <laughs> learning a lot of history also was another thing that I was like, mm, let me sit this one out real quick because yeah. I'm learning something new on, you know, uh, so I. I that's just me, man. I, I, I really, I want to use my voice strategically to empower people, to love on people. Um, I'm really not just trying to be out here giving a bunch of nothing. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, I think I think a few different streams when you you pose that trade. Like I grew up in a fashion that was very dysfunctional, and where my father's voice was the voice that set the tone for the house, you know, and it was destructive. <laughs> um, uh, but you know, shout out to my pops. We are starting to work some things through, you know, by the grace of the living God. Right. But, but I, at an early age felt like what, um, I felt the pain of having my voice diminished, choked out and where my needs and desires were not, uh, um, cared for. And so fast forwarding to today, I am very sensitive to people who don't feel like they have a voice um, it has taken time to establish and cultivate um, what do what things are worth speaking about, whether uh, it's in in the the privacy of my own home, whether it's on social media or it's in this platform that we have cultivated here at Three Black Men and our various spinoffs. Uh, and so it has taken time because of not having a voice or feeling like I didn't have one as a child. Uh, there can be this temptation as you grow up then and learn, oh, wait, you know, there's power in this voice yeah. to speak on everything, right? Because, and so those who felt voiceless then can be voiceful later in life. And so I think it's actually been trial and error or in watching other people speak on something. I'm like, ooh. Yeah. Maybe if you had waited 30 more seconds, yeah, um, you might've, you know, maybe if you had prayed, um, I, I will say this, I try to wait for quite a while before I speak on something that's hot on my, on my, uh, spirit. Um, I still have opinions on the way white Christians acted after JLo and Shakira, uh, uh, performed at the halftime show. I actually have opinions and I mostly have never said them out loud, but I've waited all these years because I felt that I couldn't do the topic justice um if i spoke and so i still haven't spoken <laughs> yeah that's real and i like that point about trial and error uh, because I, I can't lie well my degree my, my undergraduate degree I, I went to the school of communication right so i'm always consistently thinking nowadays about how messages would be received not to say i'm perfect in thinking through that but it's something that heavily goes to me and i'm often analyzing how they things go so <laughs> there are people who joke sometimes like oh oh trey how do you how do you navigate these situations like you you do twitter so well or whatever oh, no i'll be watching y'all play yourselves i'm like oh, i'm not doing that anymore and that's part of it for me but when it comes to my own voice i think i found out accidentally as a teenager that when i said stuff people paid attention and i, I can't explain it to this very day but even when i was just being class clown or whatever there were people and not just like teachers who saw my potential, but peers who looked to me as a leader of sorts, like, Oh, what is Trey doing? What does Trey have to say about this? And um, that's honestly kind of how I backed into my current vocation in ministry is, is like, Oh, if I have this voice people to listen to. I might as well try to use it for some sort of good. But then the flip side of that came when I realized that people felt entitled to my voice on things, right? Like people, <laughs> there, there were times when people would go through disputes or crises, uh, crises 
and and felt entitled to my my voice not not necessarily in in terms of giving advice or counsel but me putting my thumb on the scales and weighing in in certain situations and to me that almost felt sort of dehumanizing right as though it was assumed that you could curry favor with me in order to get me to jump in and inherit somebody else's beef or inherit somebody else's problem without even weighing in or asking me like, yo, how do you feel about this? Am I tripping? Am I bugging? Um, because there is often I've discovered this intuition or understanding among some people that you have a voice based upon like qualities and inherent to you, right? Like now I'm, I'm, some people look at me as, oh, Trey's a black voice that I can listen to without necessarily attaching the fact that, oh, Trey's actually somebody who thinks about these things very deeply and works through them. And so people want to, to use the voice without trying to tap into whatever wisdom might be behind the voice. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we, we know that well. If you uh, are a <laughs> black person that was in a white uh yeah. space we yeah. know the pain of somebody hey you're the black voice what do you think about black lives matter right and so it being used in that way um yeah. was whack um i, I want to give you all uh an incident that is in my mind and when i really started to take being a public theologian seriously uh i started the journey then was uh do you remember when Botham John was killed in his home? Yes. Mm -hmm. Wild. Murdered. Um yeah, murdered, murdered by uh, a white woman police officer who came into the wrong uh apartment. She went into his apartment, shot him. Thinking it was her own. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thinking it was hers. And I remember at the time feeling all of these feelings and there were a lot of commentary around Botham John's brother publicly forgave uh, the woman who killed his brother. Right. And so there was this, you know, all of this, these headlines with the hug heard around the world and mm. a lot of white Christians really jumped on and publicly said, if you cannot hug someone that murdered someone in your family are you even living the gospel and i remember the the violence that it did within me as people said no this is the gospel this is forgiveness this is you know you should yeah. be able to forgive this quickly and i was like wait a minute are y'all bugging <laughs> like i and i remember just a prominent um white worship leader at the time i almost said the name <laughs> really was how would I ooh, how about to say his name say his name and um <laughs> he was really gung-ho about this and I remember yeah. commenting that everyone might not be there when it comes to violence against our loved ones that mm -hmm. is not indicative of a lack of the gospel neither is this a reflection of the gospel we don't know the motivations that are mm -hmm. behind his his brother and so using this as prescriptive feels like violence yeah. against black bodies then he you know came up with some verses philippians 2 and, and whatnot but i think what it, it showed me was white people needed that event that that almost crucifying event to mm -hmm. uh show what the gospel was like and they weren't even open to other interpretations so 
I just wanted to give that event. That's when I knew voices could be very detrimental um, mm-hmm. or healing, depending on, on the situation. I think that's actually a great example, a great launching point for us to talk about like the stewardship of voices. And yeah. before we get into that, though, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to have somebody else voice chime in about some dope stuff going around. And then we're going to come back and talk about that. Hey, everyone, this is Camille Hernandez, and I am the author of the upcoming book, The Hero and the Whore. The book is about reclaiming healing and liberation through the stories of sexual exploitation survivors in the Bible. And the reason why I wrote this book was because when it comes to deconstruction, People aren't really talking about sexual violence and sexual exploitation in a way that embraces nuance, but names healing and also recognizes the labor that women of color, that queer people, that marginalized people do in order for all of us to pursue collective healing and liberation. I wrote this book to create a trauma-informed approach to reading scripture and also to be able to see my story and the stories of my siblings, of my kin, of my people, honored, supported, and valued. And if you're interested in purchasing this book, you can buy it wherever books are sold. Thanks so much. Yeah, I think that that Botham uh, John situation was actually it's actually a great launcher point for us to talk about how people use their voices. Because in that one, people maybe had pure intentions about highlighting the power of the gospel, but ended up doing so in a way that felt like it was weaponizing this power of forgiveness against the people who were actually feeling things, right? And even you mentioned pushing back. We don't have to talk about how that pushback was received or was not received in that it moment. It was not received. It was trash. But <laughs> go ahead. With the, yeah. It was absolute trash. And that, to me, that, that's, that, that raises a really yeah. urgent question about the voices that we cultivate among ourselves and how we do them. Do we allow our voices to be accountable to the people mm-hmm. that we want to use our voices among? Right. Like, can can we be called in or out based upon the things that we say? How do we steward these voices in a world where communication is no longer as unidirectional as it once was, even in the world of media? Right. Like social media mm-hmm. means that there's a whole lot more feedback coming in there. And um, yeah. Sam, let's go ahead. Do you, do you... Yeah. Um. So for me, right, like, and we talked about it before, I love the idea of the group chat, right? Because it's like a diary with more than my voice. Um, Sometimes, depending on who yeah. it's with, like, I'm fortunate to have group chat with some great people, um, Trey, Rob, some other people, you know what I'm saying, that I know live a life of love and want to um, embody the teachings of Jesus in their everyday life right um and so i love the idea that i could take thought the thoughts that i might have and go to the group chat and be like man look i here's where i'm kind of thinking here's where i'm kind of following myself like does this seem kind of off like yeah i i think you you get what i'm saying and so like it, it it gives me an opportunity to be accountable 
right? Um, from my voice, like it, 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 it. Look, is there misogyny in here? Is there prejudice mm-hmm. in here? Is there something in here, like that y'all seeing that I'm not seeing that just seems like it's not what I want to represent? Like from what y'all know about me, does, yeah. do these words seem like something that I want to represent me? Mm. Um, and sometimes, sometimes it just got to stay in that group chat, whether it does or it doesn't. I just decide, you know what, I'm I'm a hold on to this because this was just for me. Uh, but sometimes, you know, I I can I can go out and say it. So I think that's I think that's a really good way uh, to help cultivate your voice is is to to put to to be around people to to put yourself accountable to people um, that give you something to aspire to be like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I I like this. You know, this almost this communal care ethic that you yes. are lifting up in relation to cultivating your voice. I, I think of, I think it's important to ask what is the 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 purpose of your voice, especially your public voice, um, because so often people assume that having a, an opinion is the same as having a public voice. And it can be that, but it doesn't have to be, right? And so I think people, you know, and so social media ties into this. We haven't explicitly said that, but social media for people is the place where their voice can be heard, Mm -hmm. right? And so often when I see people post, I wonder what is the purpose of you talking right now? And I would venture to guess a lot of people don't know. They would assume because I have an opinion, I also have a voice and I also have a voice that's powerful. But we know social media can galvanize people, surround people around people who should not have a platform. Um, (laughs) And they've amassed so many people who are listening to the power of your voice, to the power of your vitriol, the power of your um, angst against you fill in the blank. Right. And so what I would uh, kind of going along in your thing is like, what is the purpose of you speaking? Right. Is the purpose uh, self-congratulatory is a purpose. You just want to have fun and that's okay, Right. And so I think it may not need to be educational, but I think part of cultivating your voice is knowing why you're speaking. And so often people don't know why and they are just talking and maybe some of that, to Sam's point, maybe some of that's just for your journal. Maybe some of that's just for the group chat. Maybe some of that is for your wife and or your, your partner. And it actually shouldn't be for the world to engage in. And if you don't know that, it's okay to not speak. <laughs> yeah. And to me, even part of it is if, if you don't know that, it's okay to find out and adjust accordingly, right? Because when we talk about some of these people who have garnered platforms and one of... <laughs> interesting there are people who are engaged in spaces where they uh, claim to be primarily about harm reduction right i'm not going to say no names but y'all y'all can think of a couple of them and we've seen some of these people actually double down or outright deny when they're called out for engaging in harmful behaviors right and to me that raises a question of okay what are you using your voice for? Because the thing that you said you're using it for, people are saying that, oh, we can kind of touch up in this area because 
Like, I think that maybe you're falling short of your stated mission here, and then it becomes defensiveness. And now we have to ask question, is the voice just an extension of your ego at this point, or is it actually what you said it was in the first place? And I don't mean to sound accusatory when I say that. This is a question that I regularly have to ask myself. Because again, this is something I've battled for a long time with people listening to me. Okay, when has this thing gone off the rails? When am I engaging in an ego fest? And when am I actually yeah. trying to be about the the wholeness that I claim that I'm trying to call people toward? Yeah, I think for me, I have an ethic that grounds me, whether it's on social media or various speaking engagements. I want to illuminate those things that are beautiful. I want to, to call that to our mind. I want to uplift the weak and I want to show what one man's process is and, and evolution. Those three simple things ground me. Right. And so when I speak, it's along those lines. Like I want to uplift the weak. I want to make that, which is beautiful, explicit. Right. And yeah. I want to show that I am a man in process. Um, and so the majority of time that I'm, I'm speaking, even joking, it's around those kind of three elements. And if it's not a lot of times I'll just hold off and we'll lean into community, actually get more of a three-dimensional um, look at something. I'm like, ooh, if I would have said this before I leaned into community, I might have <laughs> done some damage. Yeah. Um, but I, I do want to have a healing voice when I do speak. That, um, And I want to have a, not just a harm reduction um, thought process. I want to be healing. Um, mm. Y'all don't really need to listen to the power of my voice. Um, but when I do speak, I do want it to be healing. Right. Right. I like that for the simple fact that it illustrates you've gone through yeah. a process. What do yeah. you want to use our voices for? And I wonder sometimes if that's something that a lot of people are doing, because it seems that some people, especially with social media, where it literally rewires your brain to crave certain things, certain validation, certain engagement. Yeah. But if there is anything redeemable about these places is that we can choose how we wish to show up in them and by extension, not just in social media, but in the world. So when yeah. we develop these ethics around how we show up in these places, how can they inform our ethic in, in showing up in the workplace, in the church house, just, just around the way or whatever, like, what does that look like for you? You, you know what? I think I was, thinking listening to y'all and i think too like sometimes people's response is like out of fanaticism right like don't get me wrong like i love jesus too i do love jesus but i feel like there is not a lot of work to actually put in to what it, to understand jesus's teaching right like we lean a lot into um and don't like we we lean a lot into sometimes what previous generations or like uh, i know from from where i come from it's a lot of where mama look my mama taught me this or my grandma taught me this or my granddad you know what i'm saying we lean a lot into someone else's understanding of what these things are um and i and i and i, I think to be to be a responsible fanatic, if you will, 
or a responsible person that would say that they love Jesus and wants to share that with the world, I feel like there, there, there is, there has to be an ethic. There has to be a responsibility inwardly to like, un, to, to truly know, um, just like how Rob was saying, like, look, I want to heal. Like I want to uplift, right. There has to be that, um, I was I was thinking I've been thinking a lot about like the I come from a lot of growing up I've heard a lot of, about theologies of purpose right like what's your purpose what's your purpose right those things and it 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 was a little those things were harmful to me because those were it was what I heard what I was heard you know oh well what's your purpose what what's your purpose what, what what's your purpose you got to find your purpose that God has for you and you got to operate in that otherwise you're gonna miss out. Right. Like I would hear that growing up. And so I had to come to a place where divesting from what I knew or leaning into someone else's understanding of these things, like what for me to lean into my own understanding and to to lean into what I felt God impressing upon my heart is more so like what's what greater purpose would there be to love? Right. Uh, What greater purpose would there be to heal? What greater purpose would there be to uplift? Um, what greater purpose would be for that? And so really grounding myself in those things is kind of really what's helped me pick up those same ethics that Rob was just talking about, right? Like I really, I really had to remove myself from a lot of those situations and, and find people that honestly, like lives really speak of, bro, you really, like you really, you really believe Jesus teaching you really, you really desire, like, I, when I listen to Rob speak, when I read his words, when I, I hear that he actually desires to do what Jesus did. When I hear Trey, you know, even in his book, like, I've been so, I haven't had, I haven't had a chance to, to text you, but I, but just, I've been so blessed. I've been going through so, so I've been so blessed by just, and it's crazy because it's not even all, all of these things aren't necessarily new to me. It's just how you say them, right? I, it's the spirit of God is literally on those words, right? You can feel that impress. And so just, just making, just understanding that and, and refocusing what a relationship with God looked like, um, relearning what it means to love God and love Jesus, love other people. Um, those things really have helped to like change the way that I use my voice uh, and to being more responsible, even like with my kids, my my nieces, my nephew, like just people around me everyday life. I really try to be careful about what I say and how I say it um, because I want those things to always come out in the words that I speak. Yeah, yeah I think it's important um to cultivate our private voice. You know, you know, we've been talking about cultivating our voice and my private voice is the, the most important voice that many will not have access to the Mm. conversations I have alone with God, the, the, my journal entries, the, the, the bits of creative writing that the world will never see the essays that I write that no one has ever Mm. applauded me on you know, I found a stash of old essays that I wrote on notebook paper and I had like a whole drawer full of them. That's, mm-hmm. that is my voice, actually. What mm-hmm. comes out is me, just the mere edges 
that has been cultivated in my inner life in like the hours and the moments where no one else sees. And, mm -hmm. and so I think when we talk about stewarding and cultivating, it has to be said that the majority of your talking, your working things out should be alone, right? Mm. It should be, right? If the majority of your output is your voice, I, I would venture to say that the impact cannot be what you probably desire it to be, right? The things that I've stumbled over, that I've tried to figure out theologically, mm -hmm. uh, sociologically, yeah. what I think about men, masculinity, softness, gentleness, those have been, I have spent thousands of hours though that no one will ever know. And when yeah. I die, that will just be between me and my Jesus, <laughs> right? So uh, I, I think yeah. that's important. I think that that's a dope point yeah. in the fact that not only is that a grounding practice for knowing when you don't have to say something like we don't have to weigh in on everything because we're allowed to have that self dialogue. But also I think that that is critical to the very process of self definition, right? When we develop this identity <laughs> that is for ourselves, even if other people never fully realize who we are, we know who we are because we've done that that work of self-talk and identifying our own voices. And even if it's not always a forward-facing one, that that is part of the process of rehumanizing ourselves after whatever the world does to us is finding out what our voice is. Even if it never becomes a big voice that the whole world hears, you need to know what that voice is because that is what self-definition is. You need to learn to love the voice you have um, because it's only in truly learning to love and honor your own voice that you can pay the proper respect to other people's voices. Thank that. Um, so, yeah, and I'm only thinking of that as you were talking, Rob, but I think that's great food for thought in terms of how are you developing your voice when nobody's listening but you. Yeah, I think that's a good place to put a pin in it. Um, listen, let's continue this conversation on Patreon. Eh? patreon.com slash three black men is where it's at hallelujah amen and amen <laughs> we appreciate you rocking with us for another episode of three black men here's the part of the show where we ask a favor from you now, earlier I mentioned a couple of ways that you can support us by joining our community over at patreon.com slash three black men. We have multi-tiered support options and you can get bonus content. If you don't want to do that, you can submit a one-time contribution by finding us on PayPal at three black men podcast at gmail.com. But we ain't here to tap your pockets. Here's a few ways that you can help us out without spending a single dime. You can stop what you're doing right here, right now, and make sure that you've left us a review and a rating. Don't just give us the five stars. Go ahead and write out how much you love this show and tell everybody about it. Do it on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you at. Make sure you leave that rating and a review, and that's going to help even more people join the fun over here. Thank you so much. I knew God loved you for some reason. <laughs>